This is Ave Explorers. There's a picture that's probably one of my favorite pictures that exists in the entire world. And it's this picture of my dad uh, seeing me for the first time in my wedding dress. It's June 4th, 2016. I was getting married in like an hour. Um, the bridesmaids are running around the house like chickens with their heads cut off, getting all the last minute things ready. And I was just kind of taking a minute standing in the dining room of my parents' house where we were all getting ready, having a chicken salad sandwich because you have to eat before you walk down the aisle or you might pass out. That was my big fear. Um, And my dad, who'd spent most of the morning outside in his shed, (laughs) avoiding all of the estrogen in the house, um, came into the kitchen to grab a cup of coffee before we left for the, the church and saw me. And the photographer happened to be in the right place at the right time to snap this photo of him and his jaw drops in the photo of course and he walks towards me with this huge smile on his face Um, and he kept saying the same thing over and over again in that moment to me he kept saying I'm just so proud I'm just so proud and I kind of laughed at him and I was like dad all I'm doing is getting married like you're proud of me for what finding a guy and he said I'm just so proud of, of who you are and what you're doing and and your life, and this man that you've chosen, and I mean, he was he was beaming. I think he was beaming more on his <laughs> on his daughter's wedding day than his daughter was, because he was just such a proud dad. And and that's really kind of the story of my dad. I mean, he is a, a man who is proud of his two daughters, who never fails to support us, who never fails to celebrate us. Uh, the joke in my family is that my dad's probably sold more of my books than my publisher has, because he carries boxes of them around in his truck to give to his friends. And what I love is that my dad and his tenderheartedness and his, his care for us, also his, his work ethic and his desire to provide and to protect, all of that flows from this very, very deep faith that I've been able to witness my whole life. Just a few years back, my dad was kind of going through a bit of a job change and um, found himself unemployed for a, a little bit of time. And My sister uh, told me the story where she went to daily mass with him and um, she looked over after communion and he was staring at his phone and she went to go smack him on the arm and fuss at him. And when she got a little closer and she looked down, she realized he was actually praying this prayer um, for for job seeking, right? A, A prayer for the unemployed that he had saved on his phone as a photo. And it struck her just how he was a man of deep faith. And of course, we've always known that, but it was a nice reminder I think talking about fathers, talking about real dads, the good dads, unpacking what makes a dad a good dad, exploring the role of fatherhood in a child's life, discussing and and exploring with one another um, why we need fathers, why we need father figures, why we need uh, dads to be invested in the family, is an important conversation to have if if we're going to do this series on Catholic family life, which we are. And I really wanted to unpack and explore this idea that that fathers play a role, fathers serve a purpose within the dynamic in the life of a family that we can't understate and that we're called to celebrate and we're called to support. I mean, I think of my own husband and how um, my daughter lights up when she has her daddy's attention. 
how she will run to him full force when he gets home at the end of the day. And it's not that she loves him more than me, although we can definitely say that he's the favorite parent. It's that there's a support that he, as a girl dad, as we would say, gives to her that's different than the way I, the mom, give it to her. And that's okay that there's this difference in the roles of fathers and mothers. And, and talking about fatherhood, I think, is so necessary, not just to encourage the good dads to be even better, not just to encourage maybe the, the bad dads to make some changes in their life, but to even understand the love of God the Father for each one of us, which is, of course, part of the conversation that we have to have when we talk about the Catholic family. So that's what we're doing today. We're talking about dads, and we're talking about dads with one of my favorite dads, a good friend of mine, Brian Greenfield. He is a teacher. He's a writer. He's a speaker. We know each other from ministry. Brian Greenfield is based in Florida. He's got a really cool story of of moving kind of up and down the East Coast over the course of his life. He's got three kids, and he's a high school teacher at an all-boys Catholic high school. So he has some great perspective on the role of fathers, on the role of father figures, on, on being a dad and having a dad, of course, Um, And really just helped me crystallize a lot of my understanding and and ideas and and desires to know more about fatherhood. This is, of course, part of our Ave Explorers series on Catholic family life. You can find all of the content we've created over at AveMariaPress.com. You can sign up for the weekly emails. We still have a couple weeks of emails coming with with articles and videos and more podcasts and and some social media content that I think you'll love and enjoy. So click on over to AveMariaPress.com. It's down in the show notes. Um, Subscribe to get all of the content right to your inbox. For now, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with my friend Brian Greenfield about fathers and the role that they play in the family. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to see you. Uh, I feel like this is how I've been hanging out with people for the past few months is just Zoom calls. Yeah. Um, so you are in Florida. You're in Tampa. Uh, dad, teacher, husband, uh, you travel and you speak when we're not in the COVID world. But tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do um, and, and the mission that, that you have in life. Yeah, sure. I'm sure. <laughs> the mission I have in life, that's a deep one. That, that, that's a whole- <laughs> But um, so uh, Brian Greenfield, born and raised in Washington D.C. Um, you know, I got into my faith in college when I was in, when I was young. I was what they call a CEO. You know, in, in the faith, Christmas and Easter only. That's when I would go to mass. Other than that, you know, I was kind of just doing my own thing, being just a, a regular kid. Um, I got into, went to high school, went to Catholic school all my life. Catholic high school, went through all of the drill, went you know, went to classes, went to the retreats. You know, went to um, uh, religion classes, but you know, it didn't really resonate with me then. You know, I was young and I had teachers that were good teachers, solid teachers, you know, intelligent teachers, uh, but their passion didn't speak to my heart. You know, I just didn't see it. I guess I didn't have enough life experience. Um, graduated from high school, went to Seton Hall, and at Seton Hall, that's where I got into my faith, you know, and it wasn't, it, you know, it was through like other students. Other students who were passionate about their faith, um, what do they say? The faith isn't taught, it's caught. You know, so there was a guy, you know, Justin Fatika, passionate about his faith. He had a, a youth group where we were both freshmen together. He, we lived on the same dorm floor. Um, he had a youth group when he was uh, younger. He was formed by Father Larry Richards, so he had, like, some formation. And um, basically, he started a prayer group, kind of pulled me in, you know, 
not voluntarily. He actually he literally had to yank me out of my chair and drag me to to the chapel. <clears throat> and we started doing this prayer group, you know, and it was a bunch, it was like seven or eight regular students that mm-hmm. he had coerced to, to, to meet in this chapel. None of us were really focused on the Lord. Um, the campus ministry at the time didn't really, you know, have anything to do with us. So it was a bunch of college kids trying to figure out what this faith thing was. You know, that we knew that there was something real to it, but we just didn't know what it was. And there's something beautiful about that because we weren't um, told that our fire was, wasn't proper. We were mm-hmm. able to, to figure this thing out. We were able to be excited. We were able to bring the Lord into our youth and manifest that and without people telling us that we were wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was awesome. I had my conversion experience or reversion experience with them. And um, after that, graduated, went to Franciscan University for like a year. Then went, I was with the CFRs for their postulancy. Um, then I left that, make a long story short, I ended up back in New Jersey. I met my now wife um, and, you know, we moved from Jersey to DC. Now we're in Florida. Uh, I'm in education. I've been in education for 16, 17 years. I've been doing ministry for over 20 years and I've worked with Ministry Heart as Nails Ministry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the main focus with, with, with everything that I do with Heart as Nails is bringing the gospel in, in ways that people of this culture can hear it mm-hmm. and um, to try to bring hope into the pain and questions of people's lives, you know, yeah. give them a safe place where they can let down their defenses, let their walls down, like express their hurt but give them a way to allow Christ to enter into those cracks, enter into those hurts and bring healing and take them from where they were to where God kind of wants them to be. Not in totality, but get them on the path of that, give them hope in their heart so that they know that they don't walk this journey alone. And and they know that they're wanted, that they're seen and that their pain has been experienced by other people, that there's nothing wrong with that and that Christ can speak to and, and work in the hearts of anybody. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a beautiful mission because so many people do feel unseen and lonely, um, especially young people, which is really, I mean, that's how you and I know each other through ministry. But I think our first, the first time we ever met, and I, I love this, we were in Alabama. Do you remember this event at um, the Archdiocese of Mobile? But they yeah. do their event in, I, I believe it's in Florida or it's, yep. it's like right on the, Close um, to Pensacola. Yeah, yeah, and they at this gorgeous resort in like February, so you can't really go to the beach. But uh, and you gave a talk with your I, I don't know which kid it was. They were little at the time. Yeah. Your son in your arms, and it was such a profound witness because like I think every I remember watching all the teens in the room. I mean, having a child now myself, kids are obviously drawn to little kids because it's it's an attractive thing to see people be parents. Yeah. Um, but the, you, you gave this beautiful talk about fatherhood and being a dad and what God is for us as father. And so in your ministry, I've seen you really help express that concept of fatherhood to young people. Why do you think, um, and I mean, we'll just jump right in because you're the dad here. Yeah. Why do you think fatherhood and being a good dad is so important for both young people and old people, for every person to know and to see and to experience in their life? I just think that the father-child relationship is just so impactful. You know, a father teaches a son what it means to be a man. A father teaches a son, you know, challenges the son to be better. 
shows them what it means to be upright, shows, shows them what it means to be responsible, responsible, lets them know that, they, that they're cared for and covered. You know, a father shows a daughter, you know, what beauty really is, lets the daughter know that, that they're affirmed. And if you don't teach a son or a daughter what a father is, they're going to find somebody to show them what a father is. And there's, and there's nothing worse than when you have a young man and then a young girl turning to a friend as a father, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, people, they're, they're trying to figure it out themselves. Right. You know, if you have um, an absence of a father in a young man's life, um, that'll destroy him. Mm-hmm. That'll destroy his, 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 his vision of himself or his understanding of his own self-worth or, or, or what it means to be, uh, you know, a, a, their identity, it will destroy that. Um, the absence of a father in a young woman's life, you know, you've seen young women that have those quote unquote father issues. Mm-hmm. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, you know, the absence of a father, you know, a, a strong man in, in the life of a spouse, you know, that will drive a, a woman who's striving to do the right thing the right way to, to, to craziness, exhausting her, trying to get a man to be what mm-hmm. he should be. So I think the, the, the father issue, the, the fact that a father safeguards a family, yeah. protects a family, the fact that a father strives to be the answer, it doesn't always do it perfectly, but a father is the source of strength and solace uh, for a family. Now, I'm not saying that a mother isn't because there's some people that will hear this and they'll say, "What's why, why aren't you saying anything about mothers? Well, we don't have an epidemic of, of bad mothers or mothers mm-hmm. dropping the ball. We have an epidemic of fathers doing that. So right. let's address the problem that at hand. Absolutely. Just the, the, I think the role of father is, is key um, to show God's love, God's strength, and, 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 and God's mercy and empathy to yeah. the whole family. I mean, you said solace, and, and I would even go so far as to say stability, right? Absolutely. Like there's, there's a, a, moms and dads do play a different role within the life of the family, both in a spiritual motherhood, fatherhood sense, in, in the real life lived experience of a family. Um, I, I'm struck by the thing you said too, where without the dad, yeah. I mean, without a mom, things can go wrong. Of course, Absolutely. without a dad, things can go wrong, but there's something very specific that I think happens when there's an absence of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And like, like, as you said, it's that affirmation of one's goodness, yeah. um, and one's worth. I mean, you've got three kids, 12, 10, and two, that's a huge gamut. What are some ways that you as a dad affirm their value, affirm their worth and really, um, Try to show them that you are a stable presence in their life. You know, with my, I was talking to my wife about this earlier. You know, I, I think that as a father, you know, just as a parent in general, um, it's important for my kids to know that I love them mm-hmm. and that I that that I'm there for them and that I I support them. You know, there's going to be times that I'm going to mess up and there's going to be things that I'm going to have to apologize to them for later on in life, but as long as they know that I love them. So what do I try? I try to affirm them as much as I can. You know, I try to say something and stick by what I say. You know, I try to lead by example. I try to, you know, I, I try to be as holy as I can so that when they look at me, they, they have a standard that they can look to. Um, you know, I, and those are the things that I, I strive to do. I try to be the best um, man of God that I can be so that it's not just me saying stuff that they can see that their father illustrated what it should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just try to, that's what I try to be. That's, that's like you said, that stable presence for my kids, letting them know that, you know, I'm going to mess up, that I don't do everything perfectly. 
um, and I may make the wrong decision, but at the end of the day, I love them and they know that they're loved. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that's what I try to do. That's, that's part one, you know, like that, that's, that is, I mean, I think that's the core of it, you know, that selfless love that a father is supposed to have, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've seen amazing people and I've seen people that have, uh, fathers that I think are phenomenal, um, but then when they look, when they express to me like their story, you know, there's, you know, they go through difficult times, you know, there's questions of stuff that they have. Um, but so I know that, you know, I'm going to make a mistake somewhere along the line. But if my kids know that I love them, mm-hmm. if my kids know that their dad would give anything for them, that their dad is there to sacrifice and be there, that their dad will protect them. You know, I think that's, you know, that's a, a phenomenal message for a child to know. And then that just sheds light on God's fatherhood, that right. God's ever present, that God is loving, that God is merciful, that God is forgiving, that you don't always understand what God is doing. And, and God may not always show up on your timeline, but God is always there. Yeah. You know? So that's what I strive to do with my kids. You know? Yeah. I mean, the kid that goes to bed at night knowing dad loves me and dad's proud of me. The kid that goes to bed at night knowing, okay, mom, mom loves me and mom is here for me. Like that kid could have had the worst day in the world, but they know those two things are true. That's true. And and, and then those kids don't have to prove themselves in inconsequential ways. You know, they know their worth. Why? Because Mm -hmm. their worth has been told to them. Their value has been expressed to them. So then I don't have to go out and you know, look at like secular worldly standards of beauty or worth and try to prove myself in those, you know, venues or those ways, because I know that I'm valued as I am. Why? Because the most important people in my life, my mom and my dad, they told me that and I respect them. So, you know, you may just, a friend may disagree with the things that I do, but that's okay because I know that I'm good enough. Why? Because mom and dad, they told me that they affirmed Mm -hmm. me in that. Um, what you see now in our culture, you, the, the weakness that you see in, the, in a lot of people and the fact that um, people like search for the approval of others is because a lot of people just aren't affirmed in who they are. Right. So if I'm not affirmed in who I am, then I'm going to look for the opinions of other people to affirm me. Um, and I think that comes straight from mom and dad. Now, ooh, my son, I don't want to keep going, but my son, yeah. like, I tell my son all the time, I love him. I love you. I love you. I love you. I mean, when I first, we were first found out we were having a son, you know, I wanted to make him tough. Right. You know, um, but that changed quickly. And I tell my son, I love you all the time. I give him kisses. I tell him you're my main man. My son's 10 years old. So, you know, I always do that. I hold his hand uh, because I know that there's a day when there's going to be a person around him or people around him that are going to tell him that he's less than what I see. Mm. He needs to know that I don't have to please you. Um, I don't have to do what you tell me to do to find my worth. Why? Because I already know that I'm beautiful. I already know that I'm loved. Why? Because my dad told me. That. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. So, and that's, I mean, that's the first, the first authentic relationship any human being has is with the people that brought them into this world, the people that yeah. keep them, you know, keep them alive in those those helpless years. What better gift to really give to a child than the presence of mom, the presence of dad with that fundamental truth. Um, I love what you're saying too, about like, there's going to come a day when somebody attacks 
I mean, and, and that happens with every family, right? Like something from the outside. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes it's a pandemic. Sometimes yeah. it's just friends at school say something. I, I remember coming home from school um, in middle school and somebody had made fun of my glasses and my dad sitting me down and telling me, your glasses make you who you are and we love you for who you are. And all of a sudden, like what that one mean girl said didn't matter anymore because dad reminded me and that like, that's such a huge thing. You work with high school students. How, how important is that for you, even as a, as a teacher in the role of a campus minister, spiritual father, like how, how does that play out in your classroom and with those boys? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's key with those guys because a lot of guys are looking for that sort of figure, you know, and, and our, you know, we have a lot of guys that are have solid fathers that they're, they're, they're just fine. And I just kind of reaffirm what their fathers have already instilled in them. Mm-hmm. And, and those are fine. And I tell my guys, I've told my guys a couple of times, you know, some of you aren't looking for a daddy, but I'll try to treat you like you're my son. You know, they have their mm-hmm. own father. So I try to reaffirm what, what their fathers say in the positive but then there's those guys that are being initiated into manhood by other men who aren't initiated themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they have their fathers giving them a message of value that looks just like secular culture's message of value. And there's holes in that. Mm-hmm. And they want to be affirmed for who they are. They want to know, you know, they want to know that they're loved, even if they don't get all A's, that they're still valued. Um, they want to know that if, even if they don't make the football team or get into this university, that, you know, there's still hope for them. You have a lot of young men that are broken and just clueless about, you know, what it means to be loved or what it means to be valued or what life is about. So I, I you know, so to give them an example of, what a father's love looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's going to look different for guys. It's, for me, it's being a constant presence for them, you know, consistency, you know, in, in my classroom, I may not do everything perfectly at every moment, but my kids know, my guys know that, okay, Mr. Greenfield shows up every day. Mm-hmm. He shows up, you know, I may not say everything eloquently, but they'll know, every day, Mr. Greenfield has a passion for what he believes in. Mm-hmm. That gives a kid who ha- who, who's unsure of himself or, or, or coming from an unstable background, some stability mm-hmm. that he can work off of. Yeah. And, you know, it gives him at least an example that I don't have to be like everyone else. I can be different right. and still keep my man card. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I, I think in... Back in the day, I used to focus on being a warrior of God, right? You know, being a warrior of God. And that's when you're young. You focus on those things, right? Um, but then, you know, I, I began to understand what fatherhood means. And I think being a man who tries to father in the image of God is much stronger than being a quote-unquote warrior mm-hmm. of God. Because when you have a father, when you're fathering in the image of God, you have a vision of the people that you love and a reason you have a why Mm -hmm. for your fight. So you'll keep pressing forward Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, when you're just fighting, you know, you can ease up at any moment, but when you put a why behind your fight, like I'm fighting for my kids, I'm fighting for this kid because he needs to be fathered. Also, Mm -hmm. why am I passionate today? I'm passionate because this kid hasn't seen anyone with passion, mm-hmm. a passion for virtue or moral virtue or the faith in his life. 
life. So he's going to go down a path of the passionate people and that path may lead them totally away from God. Mm -hmm. But the passion of this person towards virtue and holiness, that gives me a standard that gives me, you know, um, an okay to believe. Yeah. enjoying this conversation with Brian Greenfield about fatherhood and the role the father plays, the, the gift that fatherhood can be and is uh, within a family and within the world. To find more content that is uh, just as inspiring and hope-filled as this, you can go over to AveMariaPress.com and find all of our Ave Explorers content, articles, videos, podcasts, uh, other things unpacking what Catholic family life is, how to be a holy Catholic family, the way the Catholic family changes the world. You can, of course, also find all of our old podcast episodes on Apple Play, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And everything, of course, is archived on the Ave Maria Press website. So click down in the show notes and find all of that great content that we have created for you. Tommy, uh, my husband, teaches at a charter school here in town where many of the students come from low-income, single-parent households. And his first year teaching, um, was really, he was really struggling to connect with the kids. And so he finally, he called up a friend, Ansel Augustine, our mutual friend, yeah. Um, and was like, I don't know what to do to get through to these, you know, I'm a white guy. The majority of them are minority community kids. Like they, maybe that's the reason, maybe they don't like me. Maybe it's just because we have really different backgrounds. Maybe it's because I'm the new guy on campus. And our Ansel said, no, it's because you're probably one of the first stable male figures in their life in a really long time. And so they don't know how to A, respond to your authority or, or B, they don't want to get close to you because they're scared you're just going to walk out because that's what's happened before. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that, like that epidemic, like you mentioned, of lost fatherhood, of abandoned fatherhood, of and in all communities, it's happening across the, the country. Um, but especially your experience as a Black Catholic father, who who in some sense might have experiences of knowing how to respond to this, and, and to even maybe see what some of those challenges and struggles are. And of course, we know that those challenges and struggles are hundreds of years old and, and are rooted in systemic problems, but. But I'd love to hear your take on that and really try to unpack that. I mean, it's, it's difficult, you know, I mean, because I think you got to understand that there is a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to, I was recently, I traveled to give a talk somewhere, right? I'm not going to say where, but I traveled. <laughs> and um, we'll keep it covert. Person came up to me and they were talking about like the young black males in that area and how they have a problem with the young black males, the two people came up and both of them, they, neither one of them were black and they were just saying, what do we do about the young black males in our in, in, in this area because they're, they're, they're really disrespectful. And um, there's a part of me that's like, whoa, I mean, what are you talking about disrespectful? I mean, how can you say they're disrespectful? I mean, um, but you recognize that also that there's a problem, you know, and that's not relegated to just being a minority. There's, there's Asian disrespectful people, there's mm-hmm. white people. Mm-hmm. But I can understand that. I just recognize that there's a problem, and you can understand it. You know, if you're, I think you said it perfectly. And Ansel, he's awesome. He said it perfectly himself. You know, if you have a young man that's, if you have a, a boy that's forced to be a man before it's his time, mm-hmm. you know, then when you have another man coming in trying to teach him something or impart wisdom or love to them, there's going to be a natural skepticism, and there's going to be a natural pushback because he's learned to cope, you know, you know, you, you meet a kid at, 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 at 16, you're trying to tell him, 
this is what you need to do. You know, he doesn't, he, for, for that young man, he doesn't need that then. Right. He, he needed, needed it 10 years ago. He, yeah. He needed it when, when he was 10. He needed someone to, to pick him up and he's learned how to cope. He hasn't healed. His heart is still broken, but he's learned how to cope. There's a huge scab mm-hmm. over that wound. So he's just coping and he's defending himself because in his mind, if the man who was supposed to love him the most wasn't there. And some of these stories, I can tell you stories about friends. If the man who was supposed to love him the most openly rejected him, then how is it possible for you, who I don't really know, to really love me? Right. You know, so there's an epidemic of that. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, that that is the root of the problem. And, and there's been multiple reasons. And you said historically why, you know, men have not been present in, in the home and, and, you know, how a lot of African-American men have been broken down and then it, that that sort of trickles down to their kids. What we're seeing right now where you have, you know, young men looking for father figures and they're looking for father figures in the loudest, loudest flashes, voices in the room because our culture kind of gravitates to the loud, flashy voices as the voice of truth. And when you have a 15-year-old looking at a 25, 30, 40-year-old man who's trying to act like a 15 year old to make money off of them as their model, their template for masculinity or manhood. Mm-hmm. You're, you got the blind leading the blind and you got like people that you know, it's hard to kind of reach out to. I think the remedy is what your husband is doing. Consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, Presence. Yeah. Being there, day, loving them, being there day in, and day out and loving them is not always patting them on the back right. loving them is a, a kick in the butt sometimes mm-hmm. you know because they're, they're, they're you know and my, my mother tells me this all the time you know there's some people in this world that you can tell have never been disciplined mm-hmm. yeah know? so so they don't know what discipline is and you see them act that out in their own lives you know um and it gets them into terrible situations right and it perpetuates stereotypes, um, but that consistency, that compassionate, tough love, toughness rooted in love, right. uh, that is, is, is a way that you kind of, you know, begin to break those walls down. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're, your husband, Tommy, you know, there's one thing, he may not do everything perfectly, right. but I can tell you this, the guy that, he, that, that he's been teaching they know that out of all the men in the world, he's one that cares about. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. for someone, he's him being there every day is the most consistent male figure in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think consistency, challenging them to be more, respecting who they are, respecting their situations, empathy, mm-hmm. um, but pushing them to be more and speaking like plainly, not not speaking down to people. But speaking plainly to people and lifting them up, I think that's what you do. Yeah. I mean, I think, too, there's there's this huge challenge that's being given to every, especially the men that are listening to this show, that, you know, fatherhood, obviously there's biological fatherhood, there's adoptive fatherhood, but there's a spiritual fatherhood that very much every man is called to. Um, I, I We've often heard it joked that, you know, if a guy would make a good priest, then he would be a great dad. Yeah. It's like and and hopefully so too like the good dads would make good priests because those two things are very much the, the that life of sacrifice and service, right? The servant-hearted man mm-hmm. is the good dad. Yeah. Um is the heroic father. I guess then what do you think, you know, somebody that's listening to this 
that wants to do that more um, or wants to be more consistent and present in the life of young people that they know, maybe even in their own family, kind of hit a reset button. It's like, I haven't been the best dad. I haven't been the most attentive. Um, I haven't told my kids I love them or been overly affectionate. Like what, what would be your encouragement to maybe hit a reset button if somebody needs that encouragement? I mean, now this is a hard reset. This would be a, a difficult reset. I think that you need, they, they need to enter into their own woundedness first. Mm. Like there's a reason why they react to love and compassion and empathy a certain way. You know, there's a reason why there's a point where they'll go with their kids, but they won't go any further, mm. you know, and it's probably not with their kids, it's probably with their spouse also. I would take the time to enter into my own brokenness mm-hmm. and, uh, and, 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 and see, okay, what that is and allow God to minister to that brokenness. Yeah. Find your to wound minister. and heal it. Yeah, they, they have to, because if you, be, if you try to heal people from a, a faulty foundation, you're not going to give them the fullness of what they need. You know, I'm not saying that all of us are complete, but I think there's certain people that you see it in the way that they, their interactions with other people. You can see a woundedness that they have when they speak to other people. Yeah. I think that you need to enter into your own woundedness. And now if there's a person that says, I'm not wounded, then he's just crazy. He needs the rest in humility. You know, right. I think they in, you enter into that and you begin to, that way you're able to give a message with integrity. Yeah. If I know that I'm loved, that God loves me, that I'm valued, that I'm seen, then when I tell another kid that, there's power behind that because I believe it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I tell a kid that he's loved because someone else told me that that kid was loved, right? That's it's hard to have integrity in that. So you got to enter into your own brokenness before you go out and try to be Superman to another person. You got to kind of have your own moment where you enter into your own brokenness, your reality, and you allow God to speak truth to you and tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. And then once you know who you are then you're able to love other people. You're able to give other people that message. So if you want to have a reset, the reset is this, look at your own faults first. And I'm not saying that you're a bad person. This has nothing to do with you being a bad person. This has to do with the epidemic that like the problem that all of us have, we're all broken. You know, that there's some people that understand it and they work to allow God to heal that brokenness. And then there's other people that are in denial and I don't know what to do with them. But enter into your own brokenness and allow God to love you and show you who you are, to empower you, to affirm you, to give you the strength to let go of the opinions of other people. Yeah. Then from that strength, from that compassion, from that relationship, you go out and I would not say choose a bunch of people, choose a couple of people, maybe mm-hmm. one, maybe two people that you affirm. Right. You know, that you listen to, you know, I mean, you don't go to a person you, and with the mentality that I'm going to fix everything. You go to a person and you listen, you allow them to, to, to talk to you without like talking at them, allow them to speak to you so you can understand who they are. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to see yourself in that person. Yeah. You know? And then you speak to them in the way that you would speak, the way that God spoke to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the power of ministry. You know, when I'm able to see myself in another person, you know, and, and I'm able to really understand if not for the grace of God, there go I, right? So I see myself in you and that gives me a passion to save you because I remember what it used to be like, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in that, 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 that dark room and I wanted someone to, to, to open the door and show me a way out. I know, I remember what that feels like. So I'm not going to give up on you because I know that, that you're me. You know, we're going, we, we've gone through the same thing. Um, and then I'm able to give my heart to you. 
not just right. my strength, but my heart team. And that's what a lot of these young guys need. They need your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I, I... I mean, that's, it's beautiful. If we can enter into our own vulnerability, we can then be vulnerable and loving with those who... That's oftentimes what every single person needs. That's what a daughter needs from her dad. That's what a son needs from his dad. That's what a wife needs from her husband. Um, it's compassionate, heroic fatherhood, not, not bullish manly, but like, like that, that tender compassion that's still strong and still protective. But like, I know that it's not just coming from a place of machoism, but it's coming from a place of, of care and tenderness. I tell people, a lot of people come up to me and they ask me about doing ministry and I tell them the one thing that if you're going to be effective in any sort of ministry, because you got a lot of people that can give a good talk. And right. But one thing that you need to cultivate is that gift of empathy. Mm. You know, the ability to, you know, not just love people, but be able to see what a person is going through and put yourself in their situation and, and, and move not according to what your plan is, but move according to their need, you know, where the Holy Spirit is, is showing you this is the area where, where, where they're wounded, to be able to enter into that wound with them, and sit with them in that wound and show them a way out. That's what, it's, and there's nothing weak about that. No, that's the, that's the height of strength. I, I'm always annoyed when people are like, oh, well, that's a woman's job. It's like, no, like men, I think, do it better sometimes because women, we sometimes take it on to ourselves too much. And then aren't able to be maybe objective and pragmatic, but a man that has that tender compassion, a father that can enter into that woundedness and, and sit, but then also say, okay, now, now let's heal. Like, let's move forward. That's a unique skill of a man. And I think a man, especially for a young man, a man has a way of validating what that kid is going through. You know, that you're, you're brokenhearted. Yeah. I understand that. I've been brokenhearted too. Then all of a sudden this kid knows, okay, there's nothing wrong with what mm-hmm. I'm feeling. I don't, I don't need to put on the mask and, and hide it. I can, you know, experience this and, and find my way out of this situation as opposed to covering it up and then 10 years down the line dealing with it. Right. Um, you know, when a man, ha- you know, when, when, when a, a man that a young boy respects says, you know what, I don't have all the answers, uh, but I know that God loves you. And that he has an answer and a plan for you. And I don't know why you went through the pain that you went through, but I've gone through it too. And I know if he can work in me, then he can do something in you. Mm-hmm. For that kid, it's like, okay, okay, all right. If he can do that with you, then at least I know that there is some sort of hope for me. I think a guy, uh, a young man, that fatherly spirit will validate. Things. I remember I had a breakdown in college one time and I called home. Uh, my mom answered and my mom said that the thing that, that my mom is always going to say, you're going to be okay, baby. You know, I love you. You're going to be okay. And um, she tried to give me the reason why I was going to be okay. But there was something like kind of stirring inside of me. There's still the uneasiness. Um, my father got on the phone. My father, you know, he'll tell me like it is, you know, he's not, if he, if I'm screwed, he'll be like, yeah, yeah, you're screwed. Man. But my father's like, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. He said, Brian, you're going to make mistakes but you're going to be all right. And then, but instantly, because I know that he's walked that path. Right. You know what I mean? He's walked the path of being a young man of being a young black man. He's walked. So I know that when he says it, it comes from experience. So, okay. He said it. Now, when my mom said it, it made me feel good that I knew, because I knew my mom was in my corner. Mm-hmm. But when my dad said it, I knew, okay, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Be okay. And I think that's what a father does. 
the, the, the tragedy in our culture right now is that we've made a lot of women have to have both of those roles. Right. We've kind of forced them into that. And, and, and that's unfair for them to try to be that support, but also try to interpret what a man, what a man's life is going to be mm-hmm. and try to change their perspective in order to feed truth to their son. You know, that's like, you know, me trying to tell my daughter what it means like to be a woman, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know that I can force myself into that arena, I guess, but it's, it's unfair for me to have to speak truth about a, a thing I have no, no clue on, right. you know, and try to give that to her as if it's an authoritative teaching, you know, so. I mean, it's from experience. I think yeah. it, it's, it's good that moms and dads are different. It's good that they play different roles and it's, it's important for us to honor what that role is. It's not that we're a mom's incapable of doing some of the things dad does or vice versa. It's that there's, there's, there's a unique calling in our authentic masculinity and femininity and we need to honor that. Absolutely. So Brian, here at the end, this is my favorite question to ask of parents. What's your favorite part about being a dad? Like, what's the best part? Oh man, I, I, there's a like, there's a couple of things. Um, <laughs> I think just I want just knowing that my kids love me. You know, just the affection that I get from my kids. You know, you know, collectively when all three of them are around me and we're you know we're we're together and I'm holding all three of them and we're talking about something and even individually. You know, mm-hmm. like when I. My, my youngest who through this pandemic has gotten real close to me when she says my name dad and she holds me and, and, and knowing, knowing that 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 she loves me and I think for fathers I think the love of your children they heal a lot of wounds mm-hmm. you know I think because I think men we have like a lot of silent frustrations right we have a lot of wounds that are that go covered up and we kind of ignore them because you know it's on to the next thing, you know, you gotta, you gotta handle this responsibility. So we ignore that. We ignore the wounds. Um, they don't go anywhere, but we just ignore them. And uh, we just, you know, a silent death, but our kids have a way of the love that was taken away from us or the love that, you know, the rejection that we felt for whatever reason, our kids have a way of healing that mm-hmm. letting us know that, you know, we're loved and we're lovable. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I can hear your kids back there. Uh, that's the, that's so true. I mean, I, I, I often look at Tom, the way Tommy looks at Rose at the end of a long day or, you know, when something's gone wrong and it's like, oh, that fixed it. Like I, nothing I could have said could have totally yeah, like just gotten rid of that stress as a three-year-old who thinks he is the sun, the moon, and the stars. Like he is the hero. And if he walks out of the house without saying goodbye, it's a tragedy, right? Like that's the most affirming thing in the world. Um, well, thanks for, yeah. One thing. Yeah, yeah, of course, please. This may be helpful to, to, to some people that struggle with God as a father. Mm-hmm. One of the, another one of the most satisfying feelings that I have is when I provide for my kids. Mm-hmm. Like when I, when, like when I, because I know times of, of different, I know those, those, those difficult times, those lean times when, when there's not enough, Right. But when I see my kids and we're out to dinner or we order food or I make them food and their and their mouths are full of food and they're having a good time eating what they like, it makes me feel awesome. It makes me feel affirmed that I've 
you know, it's just like, it may be superficial, but I provided for my kids. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great feeling. And I think for us, you know, and maybe I haven't put this together in the past myself, but right now it just coming to my, my heart that I think we begin, we believe that we get on God's nerves sometimes. <laughs> same things and that God gets tired of hearing y'all. But I think there's a joy that he feels in providing for us. Mm. You know, whether that. And I'm not talking about financials. I'm talking about just the love, the affirmation, the protection, mm-hmm. letting us know that we're loved, you know? I think, yeah, so. Yeah, he never tires of giving us good gifts. Never does. And the heroic father never tires of providing for his family. No, no, um, that's like, uh, that's that's your why. Yeah, that's your why. The why yeah. of fatherhood. I think that's the why, title of the episode. Why of life, you know? Yeah. Well, Brian, where can we find more about you, bring you in to speak? Um, yeah, so, um, I, I'm on Catholic Speakers Group or, or Hard as Nails Ministry, www.hanm.org. I'm on social media, Mission 116. Um, yeah, all of those. Uh, and Google. And we'll, yeah, and we'll link everything down in the show notes yeah. so folks can find yeah. you. Yeah, that's where you can find me. And um, yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for your time. It was great to Brian, have you. It's a joy. Brian and I have become good friends over the years and doing various ministry events together. And I'm always just so struck by his heart. Uh, by his desire to preach and and his skill at, at preaching the truth, but also at just sharing really what's on his heart and, and the ministry that I think he's been very much called to do. And he speaks a lot of truth in this episode about the role of the father and about the gift of fatherhood and about the call uh, to holiness and humility and tenderness. Um, I know I've seen my own husband be a tender father. Uh, be that loving, affirming presence in our home to our daughter, to me, to, to the unborn baby. Um, you know, it's it's funny, I think, like I joked earlier, Tommy, my husband, is definitely the favorite parent of the two of us, and I'm totally okay with that. If only because it means he usually ends up doing more diaper changes than I will ever have to do in my life. But, you know, that's 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 the bonus of, of having a really great husband who's a really great dad. When Brian and I wrapped up this interview, um, I, uh, I heard the door opening to my daughter's room, and sure enough, Rose was awake from her nap. And she came bursting into my office, and, and she asked me what I was doing. And I said, oh, I was doing a podcast. And she said, I want to be on the podcast. She climbed up in my lap, and, well, here you go, folks. A little 50th episode surprise on the Ave Explores podcast, an interview with my three-year-old daughter for just a couple minutes, Rose McGrady. Hi. My name is Lori. And this is? We're talking about dad. Oh, you want to talk about your dad? Okay. What do you like about your dad? Daddy says work here. Daddy's at work. What does daddy, what does daddy do for work? A daddy. Is a what? Is daddy a teacher? Yeah. A daddy's a teacher. What, what do you love about daddy? Daddy plays high-seek with me. Yeah, and Daddy protects us? Yeah. What's your favorite thing about Dad? Daddy wears a mask. Daddy wears a mask? Oh, that's the sound box. Hey, can you tell me, what did Daddy build you in the backyard? It's just a swing set. Daddy built you a swing set. Um, what, do you, what do you love the most about our family? Um, we play hide-and-seek together. Yeah. You play hide-and-seek. Sometimes I play hide-and-seek. And who's in my belly? Claire's in my belly. Who's in my belly? Claire. And who's Claire? 
close a babysitter. What does that make you? I'm a big sister. Yeah. Are you excited to be a big sister? Yeah. Okay, say thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. To Ave Explorers. All you explorers. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Daddy built me a swing set. Daddy plays with me. I really think that captures fatherhood. And we can't say much more than that. Um... You can find all of our awesome content about Catholic family life, about Catholic dads, Catholic moms, single people, discerning, uh, laymen and women, priests, religious, the Catholic family in full over at AveMariaPress.com. You can find all of our old episodes of this podcast, 50 in now, so excited about that, um, where you can share, rate, and review this little podcast um, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, and of course get all of the articles, videos, and all of the content that we've created over the past uh, year or so. Um, If you like what you've heard, we would, of course, ask that you subscribe it and give it a five-star rating. It it helps the show grow. And we do want to remind you that we have a new Ave Maria Press podcast called Ave Spotlight. Uh, My friend Father Dennis Stratch and I sit down with a a guest every week for a quick interview about a relevant topic that will help you live a more hope-filled Catholic life. And we share a little bit about what's going on in our own lives. 20 minutes, Monday mornings. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You know, here at the end, I just want to say a quick word about the work that we do at Ave Maria Press that is part of um, the Holy Cross Ministries uh, network and, and work within the world, that we are trying to share the faith. We are trying to educate the faithful. We are trying to, to give Catholics good things that they can use to grow and to learn and, and to further explore and dive into what they believe. You know, here at the 50th episode, maybe I'm just being reflective, but You know, Ave Maria Press, a Catholic publisher today, was actually founded as a magazine run by a nun after Father Soren passed it off, uh, now with a woman publisher at the helm. And and we, as a a publishing house, endeavor to share good things. And I hope that Ave Maria Press has, has done that for you even more with this Ave Explorer series, with this podcast, with this uh, entire series exploring all these topics that we we think faithful everyday Catholics would enjoy and love to hear more about. So with that in mind, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us for 50 episodes, or if this is just your first or maybe your fifth or somewhere in between, we're, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're listening. We're glad that this content has hopefully been fruitful for you. Um, so just a, just a little reflective word there from this, this podcast host who really loves getting to do this and who really loves the fact that folks are listening and hopefully growing from the things that we are creating. Go to AveMariaPress.com to find even more. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.